പോളണ്ടിൽ എന്ത് സംഭവിച്ചു പോളണ്ടിനെ പറ്റി നീ ഒരക്ഷരം മിണ്ടരുത് So I was reading up on the ancient ancestral home that was those movie Manichotthai is based on and I had previously tried to look up this family and I had found actually just their family website it didn't have anything about the murders or anything <laughs> <laughs> so it was like you know somebody had at the dawn of the internet was like let's make a family page and so they kind of just talked about all the good parts about the family and I guess more recently in 2019 there's an article from Manorama about this Alamuto house and i mean it looks as spooky as it's pre- portrayed in the movies the only thing is it's not like a romantic or like a sexual relationship gone bad that led to the murder it's some sort of inheritance issue it seems yeah i i think i read that same article as well cuz i was curious about the whole situation so yes the, the genesis for the story is not terribly romantic but what they turned it into was the film we're going to deal with today. Yep, we are talking today about Manichotta Tara. It's the first in our series of supernatural movies. When I got thinking about the, and when we got talking about the films too, we're not strict and spe- especially today, we're not strictly looking at supernatural as horror films, which is what they usually are. Because with supernatural we're dealing with things like things that are not visible, things that are not observable, related to spirits or devils or gods or, you know, ghosts and, you know, things that happen, ghosts as in- invisible agents that, that provoke certain things to happen. We're going to see a little bit of that in the film today, but it's not a spooky, scary film. I, it is a scary film <laughs> for me. <laughs> when, when I was a kid, I watched it when yeah. I was very little, so it was very scary. But I think... when you are an adult to be honest most scary movies kind of can be split into there is a mental illness origin for it or there is a demonic origin for it a lot of people probably have you know are on netflix these days and so they've seen every october they they put out the haunting of series so The Haunting of Hill House was probably one of the best horror series that was out recently and the, at the end much like in Manitotara they say this might not be supernatural it's mental illness that runs in the family and something traumatic in childhood has led to all of these kids who lived in this house uh, suffering from some sort of trauma and mental illness in their adulthood And so the, the you know so, so uh, Manchester kind of firmly falls into the there's a mental illness explanation. And, and you know further to your comment about it being scary as a kid I did a series of posts on Twitter this week because I went through and I actually watched and rewatched because I had seen a couple of them all the film and all its remakes and I was sort of did a kind of a thread on a few of the differences and it's one of the posts in recent time where i've got like so much engagement from people and comments on certain scenes that just you know frightened the bejeebers out of them but let, let's maybe talk a little bit about the plot because we've we've skirted around some of the things that are going on in the film but let's get down to, to the plot So Manchitotara is fundamentally about a young couple who are newly married and they come back from Calcutta where they've been living to the husband's ancestral home 
in Kerala. And the family he's from is very traditional. They observe astrology. They believe in the sort of superstitions that surround their own family. And the young couple from Calcutta, I think it's kind of important in the story that they are from somewhere else. They're depicted as the modernizers. And they ask to stay in this older house that his mother will inherit um, or has inherited and that's been locked up for many many years because there is a story that any woman who comes from another family so a daughter-in-law weird things happen to her in that ancestral home and the family really warns him against staying in that home but he says you know these are all superstitions it's silly so this young couple decides to take up residence in this supposedly haunted house and as the family has warned weird things start happening to the young wife Ganga played by Shobhana and the story kind of plays out over whether this is a haunting like the older members of the family believe or whether there's something wrong in Ganga herself that is causing these issues in the house and you know I think the movie kind of comes down on there's something wrong with Ganga but I think there's enough in here that if you believe in the supernatural you can also say there's a supernatural reason for it. Well, and one of the things that does strike me about the film is it does explore these two, like sort of the traditional beliefs on the one hand and kind of modern scientific stuff, because you have, you know, Mohanlal ends up being introduced as Dr. Sonny Joseph, who's a famous psychiatrist and a friend of the husband. But the first thing that happens is they don't suspect that it's Ganga because there's another woman, Sri Devi, who is always kind of present when things are happening the fingers first get pointed at Sri Devi and there's much consternation in the family about the fact that, you know, Sri Devi might have mental health issues. Yes, because she has a broken marriage and she's kind of been sent back from her marital home. And so she's this unknown quantity a little bit. She's technically the Muraparna uh, of yeah. Suresh Gobi, the husband's character, as in their cousins from opposite sex parents who are siblings. So they would traditionally get married. But obviously, Nagulan is, is a modern man, and he doesn't believe in cousin marriage, probably. And so she ends up marrying somebody out of the family and there's issues and she gets sent back and I think there's this underlying feeling that if she had married Nagalan that uh, Suresh Gobi's character this issue wouldn't have come up because she would have gone to her all the reasons for cousin marriage you would have gone to a home that you already know that they are your relatives and they care about you more than any ordinary in-laws would and that she might be fixated on Nagalan and and jealous of Ganga because of this kind of traditional relationship between them. Sorry, I'm just trying to figure out where where we go next in all of it because I have so much in my head about this film, but it's always all over the place. I will I don't know if you've seen any of the remakes. Um I have seen Bulbulaya. Yeah, I have seen I had seen Bulbulaya before. I had seen Chandramukhi before. This time around I found the Kannada remake and then I discovered there's also a Bengali remake which I cannot find anywhere. And I would be curious to see it because the only clip I can find is of that final sequence with Ganga and the alter ego, the, you know, the dancer who was murdered in the house. And I have to say that having watched all these remakes, 
gave me extra appreciation for the original film, which probably sounds like I'm slamming the remakes. But I do think, I think the closest remake to the original is Bulbolea, which is not unsurprising because it was Priyadarshan and Priyadarshan was a, was a second unit director on the original film as well. And I think he, you know, from what I've seen of his remakes, he does tend to stick reasonably close to the storyline. Yeah, I mean, I think Priyadarshan is what I would consider a Malayalam uh, supremacist in terms of in his Hindi remakes. He thinks that the way the Malayalam version was done was perfect. He's just in it for the Bollywood money. Which, you know, is fair. Gives him money to do other things. I, I originally blamed a lot of the issues of the Tamil remake on Rajnikant and certainly there's I'm going to get the Rajnikant fans all upset but what they did was they remade it as a Rajnikant Massey star and there are certain codes that go with that although one of the big changes in the film actually goes back to the first remake which is the Kannada one which is the doctor character is there from the beginning and then he's there for a vacation or something and he leaves and then they call him back and for me that kind of destroys the fact that this is actually Ganga's story Particularly in the Tamil remake, it becomes Rajnikant's character's story. He inserts himself even as the king character who, or the princely character who is cruel. So they switch from the husband character being the cruel lord to the psychiatrist being the cruel yes, lord. Yes, that makes no sense to me. That is actually a change in the Tamil version. The Kannada version gave more weight to his character by introducing him earlier. But that's a huge change. And for me, that doesn't make sense because part of what's going on here is as part of this mental trauma that Ganga is going through, she's projecting this image of the cruel king onto her own husband. You know, I guess people could maybe argue the other way, but for me, that kind of makes sense. Even if we're dealing with filmy psychiatry, psychiatric medicine, it still makes sense for me that she's going to project onto the figure who is, you know, like her husband figure in both cases. Yes, and who is the reason she can't be with the dancer slash other man in the scenario because she belongs to him in both scenarios. Yeah, so I mean, the bottom line here is stick with the original. (laughs) Accept no substitutes. Maybe the Hindi remake. (laughs) I mean, I understand why people want things in their own language and things that reflect kind of their own culture. Yeah, and the one, the other Part of it is the dancer Navagali in the Malayalam film is actually Tamil. Yes. And that's a key part of the mystery, as it were, because when we hear Navagali's voice in the film, we hear her speaking in Tamil. And the, the other thing I learned, which I didn't know, which was really clever, because Shobana has always had people dubbing for her. We've talked that she's before that she's only ever dubbed herself once. So she was dubbed by two different dubbing actors in this film. The first, Bhagyalakshmi for Ganga. And I think she's done a lot of dubbing for Shobana, for a lot of people. Yes. And they got Durga, a Tamil dubbing artist for Navagali, because they originally had voiced by the by the one actress, voice actress. But the crew apparently told Fazl that you could tell too easily that it was the same voice. Yeah. And I think that's one of the interesting parts of this puzzle, because again, watching Bubalaya, they just used Vidya Balan's voice for the whole thing. And you can immediately tell it's her. So if you're trying to keep the mystery of it maybe being Sridevi having the problem or what else is going on, if you don't do something clever like that, you destroy the mystery of it too soon. 
Yeah, I think that was a great call. And even if it had been the case that Shobhana had dubbed for herself, I think it would make sense that somebody else dubs for the other person living inside her, you know, because she's capable of things that Ganga herself is not. Nagavali, as the ghost, is capable of, you know, things that Ganga is not. Like, she has more superhuman strength and she has uh, the ability to predict how deep the sleep of her husband is so she can slip away, things like that. Those are, like, the little hope bits of uh, filmy psychiatry bits of this movie because a lot of this is I think pretty grounded in how dissociative identity works but those bits where she can measure the depth of his sleep (laughs) how far into his REM cycle he is You know, I can kind of fan wank my way into saying, okay, maybe she understands he's deep in REM sleep from the movement of his eyeballs. She's observing him uh, as he's sleeping. That kind of stuff, I can fan wank because I'm a big fan of this movie. No, and I am too. And there are little things like the, the scene where the kitchen servants see someone or hear someone with the, with the ankles. Anklets? The anklets, yeah. And they get very frightened and everyone ends up in the kitchen There are things that happen in that scene, like the vessel that flies across the room and the glass clock face that breaks that absolutely have no explanation. Unless we assume that the ghost is there, but not in Ganga at that point. So there are little things like that that I went, okay... Yeah, or this is my other thing. This version of dissociative identity switches rapidly back and forth. And there's some ability of her to do a sleight of hand. So she's throwing, but also being terrified at the same time. So yeah, there are little bits like that. Yeah, but you know, ultimately, I decided I don't care because I love the movie so much. I just love (laughs) this movie so much. And as I said, such a new appreciation with it, having gone back this week and rewatching and watching some of the remakes to realize what they did that was really superb. Like even Shobana's performance, we do see a version of events the first time around. And then we see another version of events when Dr. Sonny is explaining things that he has seen. But mostly we have a shift. Like there's a scene where he's talking to her about the age of the anklet and how it couldn't have been Navagali's. And she gets very worked up about it. And we only sort of see it from either half angle or from her back. And then the next time when Dr. Sonny's describing it, we see her face. But there's nothing inconsistent with what we've already heard out of her mouth. And that's another one of my big peeves about the other versions is when Ganga's character becomes possessed or, you know, is switching to her other personality. All of those scenes at the end, we're seeing what he has said he's seen are very heightened responses. And in the original film, they're not. You can feel the difference in the character in those moments, you know, and I don't know even if you've seen Jodica performing the same role in the Tamil version. I mean, it's really, again, they've done this Rajnikant high, massy, emotional thing. It's very clownish. I'm sorry to have to say that, but it is. And the differences are the initial scenes where she's very sort of mild about it. And when we hear the flashback about those scenes, she's like raging in her eyes. And again, I go back to looking at the original and thinking, whoa, did they ever do that well? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the Jyotika version, but what I do know from it is when she's doing the Urumurai Vantupataya dance, the dance at the end, the climactic dance. Yeah. Yeah, the lights in her eyes. <laughs> like 
where you know it becomes very kitschy and, and i think that that's yeah, the reason I... I haven't checked it out the hindi does not have crazy lights in her eyes so no but they do do like the voice alteration in those scenes which does not happen in the original you know so we're supposed to be hearing the voice of the ghost because we know because the modulation is all weird and it, yeah it's not as bad as the tamil one but they still make use of that instead of just letting the actor do what she can do to create these two persona and for me manchitratari exists on its own so i'm always surprised you know when other people who are familiar with other industries more bring up other movies to me it exists on its own and it's perfect and it is always in my memory box as a perfect movie and it's on tv all the time so when it's on you know it's one of those things where i always stop and watch because it's still captivating the performances are still captivating the mood and the music is still is still so good you know the background score of this movie is excellent oh yeah uh, johnson it gets at least you know 70% of the credit for how tense this movie can be when you watch it and the mystery of it all yeah and it is more mysterious it's not sort of kitschy horror tension jump jump, jump scares, scares. <laughs> And there are jump scares in the movie with characters in the film who, and and I can, I could like totally relate. You're living in this house and you have certain beliefs and, and the, the, the belief of the power of story is really strong in this film. And it's important because it's key to uncovering what's up with Ganga. But it's also important for these characters and they're telling stories and they're hearing stories and they know stories. Like the first thing that Innocent who comes to, he's overseeing the uh, the cleaning up of the, the house so the couple can arrive and, and stay there. The first thing he says something about is, you know, a comment about them being witches in the house. So there's all these little throwaway things about how people believe certain things. And then, you know, once mysterious things start happening in the house, of course, people are going to be nervous and, and have sort of heightened nervous responses to, you know, when a cup falls or when an odd sound is heard. But yeah, I, I really, I loved this sort of how the power of stories and the telling of stories can have such huge impact on people and their lives and, and you know, ultimately their mental health. I think we always turn to this movie as maybe if you're going to check out the golden age of Malayalam cinema, this might be the one to check out. And I think one of the reasons we do that is because there's a you know, couple of lead stars. Uh, we have Mohanlal and we have Suresh Gobi, but they're willing to play almost secondary characters to Shobana's character. And I, th- I think it demonstrates one of the good things about Malayalam cinema is often that the mega stars or, or, or the male stars who have the most cachet are willing to take secondary roles in service of the story. And this is probably a really good illustration of that. And, it, you know, it's chock full of those side characters, you know, you have Nadamudi Venu, you know, KPSC Lalada, we have Innocent, and, you know, they make up this extended family who have very strong opinions about what this young couple is doing. It's a perfect movie also because of that, because of the extended cast in it, and the fact that the male stars are playing secondary roles to Shobana. Yeah, I mean, Mohanal doesn't turn up until the second hour of the film, which as I pointed out, the Kannada version and the Tamil version, they had to have their male stars show up right at the beginning. 
And I'm going to guess that's because there's more audience recognition and, and need for an audience to see the big male star. So it's going to be harder for an audience to accept a film if they have to wait an hour to see who they're waiting to see. But even when Mohanal turns up, it's a very, it's, I want to say it's a subtle performance. It's an effortless performance, but then I'm not surprised because it's Mohanal. I've heard some people watch the film and, and take issue with his character, with his doctor character being kind of, I don't want to say clownish, that's too strong, but he's certainly, he's different. He's not what you would expect from a sciencey guy. He's a little kooky. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough to say. But also the thread going through with his character and some of the other characters, and again, I'm not sure the best way to explain this because they use the term madness and being mad in the film, which is not what we would say in a you know an appropriate mental health setting. But there's this whole idea of who is mad, what is mad behavior. The traditional family members are a little... They don't know what to make of him at first because he is a bit kooky. And is that a sign of him being mad despite being a psychiatrist? Um, there's the one character that he talks to, a, a minor character, and he says to be aware of the water and he's sort of jumping over things. But when he turns up, he's wearing flowers in his ears, which is one of those you know signs of people who are having you know, mental health issues. And there's the whole the whole plot with Ganga. Oh, and with Sri Devi too, because the, when Suresh Gopi's husband character is like, there's something wrong with Sri Devi, their immediate reaction is, no, 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 you're, you're trying to make our daughter mad and that just won't do. There's this whole idea that people can be made to have mental health issues and it's very stigmatized as, as are mental health issues in a lot of places. Yeah, there's a part of me that thinks Sri Devi is actually my favorite character in this movie. There's something very practical and solid about her character, and Vinaya Prasad plays it very well. She's kind of resigned to her fate, and she knows what people are saying about her that, you know, she's divorced and. She kind of is left out of a lot of the family's happier moments because she is stigmatized. So it becomes easier for Suresh Gobi to say that she's the one with the mental illness. And she kind of takes it upon herself to be like, fine, you guys say I'm, I'm mentally ill. Fine, I'll be the person who's mentally ill. And I think the, her steadiness is kind of why I think Dr. Sunny becomes attracted to her because he's this kooky, uh, zany character. <laughs> And I, I like their subplot of the romance that we don't really know until the end. Yeah, and that was really well done. Like it could have, they could have said, well, it's Mohanal, so we'll have a big romance. And that would have completely gutted the film. So the, again, like all these delicate touches in the film that really work well. And we, we discover, you know, at the end that Sri Devi has actually gone along with Dr. Sunny's plan to try and save Ganga. And her comment is she would do anything for this young couple to help them. And again, that comes down to her being a good, steady person. When Dr. Sunny talks to her at the end to sort of admit that he likes her and maybe he'll send his mother, one of the comments he, he makes is it's very difficult being married to a psychiatrist. I don't think he says it's, it's difficult being married to a psychiatrist like me. But you can see that that, you know, in terms of personalities, that might be a challenge or, as you've said, it might be a nice balance that he's got someone who's sensible and decent to, to ground him. Not that, I don't think he needs a lot of grounding. I think he's it, it, when push comes to shove, he is he does let go of kind of his 
his funny things he's trying to do and takes things very seriously. Because one of the points that comes out is, and again, this may be filmy psychiatry because I I have very limited knowledge about, you know, dissociative disorders and, and things like that. But he says that through traditional psychiatry, he won't be able to save Ganga, i.e. won't be able to do anything. The best he can do is he tells he tells the husband is I can give you back. She'll be like a shell of what she was. And do you want that? And for me, that was the moment where you, you realize that the, the way they save Ganga is by combining like the traditional tantric beliefs with the psychiatry. And it's by combining these two things, the traditional and the modern kind of science thing that you save people and I thought that was a really interesting kind of commentary to come out of the film yeah so that is once again where this movie threads the needle in terms of is it possession is it mental illness it could be both because it's a unique situation that is born of her childhood abandonment, but also the particular beliefs of the family that she married into. And, you know, he he doesn't completely dismiss the possession story because at the end of the day, I guess it's what the person believes more than what is 100% objective. And so I'm very suspicious of the psychiatry that says that she is 100% cured. Yeah. Clearly, she is vulnerable to splitting personalities or whatever. So the fact that there's no 100% cure is something that I believe. So at the end, him diagnosing her as 100% cured is a little suspect. But yeah, the fact that he combines both of these elements to give her a unique treatment, I guess, is fascinating. Well, that's why he won the gold medal. Yes. <laughs> No, and I love that scene where Thilikan turns up as the traditional, I don't know what to call him. Priest. Priest. Thank yeah. you. And it's obvious the two of them have met. Yeah. It's a really, it's a, again, another one of those really lovely moments in the film where it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I know you. We met. And this is another role where Mohinla plays Sunny. So yeah, uh, <laughs> another one of Mohinla's Sunny roles. And he comes and he's full western stars and stripes outfit and <laughs> well i mean you know it was the 90s and there was there's a lot of colorful clothing in that period that yeah. has dated significantly well except for shobana saris apparently yeah. she was given like a huge budget to buy all the saris as possible that she wanted i remember reading this in like a manida interview she was like yeah Basel told me to go buy all the saris i wanted <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> she deserves all the sorries. Let's talk about her a little bit, though. We've touched on it and contrasted her performance with other performances. And I mean, one of the comments I made on Twitter is it's probably not as fair to the other female actors who took on roles in the remakes. And, you know, they are subject to not only their interpretation of a character, but how a director wants a character p- portrayed and... You know, like, again, poor Jotika in a Rajnikant vehicle <laughs> is not going to be allowed the same kind of subtlety that Shobana brings to this role. Whether she's capable of it or not, I, I've heard people say they don't think she's capable, but like, how do we know if she's not given the chance? Anyway, but let's focus on Shobana and particularly that final sequence. I think part of this movie's charm is Shobana's dancing, right? Ganga 
apparently has no training in dance. But then Shobana, when she becomes Nagaveli, becomes this beautiful dancer. And that is half of the charm of this movie, to get an actor who is that talented of a dancer into a role where, you know, she plays a dancer and she becomes a bad dancer when she's Ganga being Nagavali. And then when in her imagination, she's this beautiful dancer. There's a lot of layers to it. It's a good dancer being a bad dancer who thinks she's a good dancer. And you got the hair flying everywhere and the jewelry all being messed up. And we have this male actor or well, male dancer played by Sridhar, who's also a professional dancer. He's Kannadiga, I believe. And they do this beautiful performance together. And it's it's a very iconic dance scene. And I think only Shobhana could have pulled it off. I Actually, this, is, this I agree on. And watching that sequence several times this week, the portions where she's the bad dancer are also very subtle. But it's, it's mostly in things like her arms and her hand movements. Yeah, she she drops it, yeah, <laughs> as opposed to holding it like this. Yeah, it, it is, uh, this is an audio medium, I don't know why I'm holding up my arm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, Chauvin is a dance teacher, so she knows what bad dancing looks like and what beginner dance dancers do versus someone who's more experienced. But the temptation might be to overplay the bad dance, and that does happen in the other versions. Although it, the good dance portions are, are not as good as Shobana because it's Shobana who is, you know, I, I don't know anybody who is as impeccable as Shobana. And the funny thing is Vidya Balan is a very poor dancer. They do a lot of cuts in that movie yeah. to make her look like a good dancer next to Vineet. I mean, Vidya Balan has classical training like most Tambram kids, I think, do. But she she's not a very good dancer, and I don't think she's ever been a very good dancer. No, but when you get into a level like Shobana or Madhuri Dichit or even Manju Warrior, you, you notice the differences, especially in the fine details, in the face movements and in the hand movements and in the, the precision of the movements without them being stiff. Again, we are going to encourage everybody, especially to watch this film. And that clip is, as you said, it's out there and... Uh, very easy to access because there are so many versions of it out there. Yeah, uh, for people who might not know, Bhayanadiyam is, this is going to be a little lecture on classical dance. <laughs> That's what we're here for. So Bhayanadiyam is more associated with Tamil culture, which kind of makes sense that the dancer is a Tamil woman. And it is associated with fine lines. My dance teacher always said Bhayanadiyam was like fire. So the lines were all like, they shoot forward up and down. Meanwhile, the classical dance associated with Kerala, Mohiniyattam, is more with associated with the wind. So it's it's supposed to be like the swaying coconut tree. So everything has round movements um, and it's swaying. So if you have been trained in a classical dance or you, you know a little bit about it, you will notice the fact that what Shobhana is doing is the position of her clean lines don't exist when she's a bad dancer versus when she's a good yep. dancer. And, and that's one of the big giveaways of somebody who really knows dance pretending to be a bad dancer <laughs> her lines will break and my teacher would say it was it was like when you were writing and you were scribbling by making a random movement that it's not supposed to be in the choreography I said on Twitter she's a goddess and she's a goddess and if you have not I, I don't know how many times I have to say this this film you have to watch it people you really have to watch it. And I, 
I just like you, I follow her on Instagram and it's always <laughs> it's always a delight to see her dance videos and her doing her uh, classes with her students or little videos they do together. Shobana is is the in my opinion the grand doyen of Malayalam film actresses. She is, in my opinion, the standard to live up to. You know, people might say Manjuwari, which is fine, because Manjuwari has a box office track record that I think, as a solo lead, that kind of outperforms Shobhana. But I think just in terms of beauty and just in terms of her dance discipline, I think she's the standard I look uh, for other actresses. Manjuwari has dubbing on her side, so that's a, I, but I think still think Shobhana is a stronger dancer. I do too. I do too. I also find I like both of them on screen, but I do know what you mean about the like the box office side. But I find Shobana just has a kind of subtle charisma and presence and dignity that comes through, especially like in, we talked about Thera, where she didn't dance at all, but she was so compelling in that character that I, I'm going to guess at some level the dancing informs that as well. Yeah. I think one of the things I I, I like is that Shobana off screen seems a lot lot more reserved than Shobana on screen, and so when she does comedy, it is surprising to me how much more of a serious person she is in real life. Uh, you know, Manjuwari has a lightness to her that in in real life that I don't think Shobana does, and so the transformation is is a little bit more. Is a little bit yeah. more stark to me. Yeah, and particularly, you know, in the films in the 90s where she was like sparkling, like really, I, it, this film, she's more subdued until the end because that's what the role requires of her. But, you know, there, we, we both know roles where her character has just been so sparkling and light and fun and she just blows everyone off the screen. <laughs> Poor them. Yeah, I and we've talked about this in Hitler, curse yeah. movie it is, that she does physical comedy, and it's probably the most fun part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, people who have listened know our thoughts on the movie. Shobana is the best part. So do we want to sum up in terms of this film and how it fits into our theme? Yeah, we are doing a series on supernatural movies. This movie kind of walks the line between is it supernatural? Is it psychological? And I think as an adult, it's easier for you to fall on the side of it's, it's psychological. But I think as a kid, it is genuinely was a spooky supernatural movie for me. And we, I think we're going to do a few more that are a, a bit more properly in the supernatural arena than than in the psychological yes because well, we've got things like ezra coming up ezra being remade uh, as a dibuk in hindi oh really yes it, it's coming out soon i don't i don't keep up with the hindi news much yeah. anymore. it has imran hashmi in the lead that's not a selling point for me but oh yeah it, it was just released on amazon prime yeah Oh, now you, you're talking to the person who needs to see the multiple versions. So I guess I'm going to be watching it. The book, yeah. <laughs> Tell me how it goes. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what we've got planned. And we will get scarier as it goes on and, and have some other interesting challenges to talk about too with some of the films 
that we're going to look at. Yeah, the, the folklore is going to play a huge role in these movies. Just like in any supernatural genre, in any culture, a lot of this is rooted in folklore. And I'll maybe share some of the creepy stories my grandfather <laughs> used to tell oh, me. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. Because, you know, as I mentioned, like the power of stories in this film and the, and the power of stories generally are, are what really draws me into things. So if you're willing to share some of those stories... I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, my family are humanists. And so they they never tell the story as this is what happened. But they would say it as like, this is what my grandmother told me. So when I was little, and, and we had seen this movie, of uh, Thara, a long time ago. I mean, I, I, it was one of the first movies I remember seeing as a kid. But I remember asking my grandfather, are Yikshis real? And uh, Yikshi is a, a particular Kerala-specific vampire figure. And, and my grandfather said, well, I don't think Yikshis are real. But my grandmother said back in the day, people would, men especially, would be careful about walking under uh, palm trees at, or I believe it was palm trees, Arkyamaram, which is, is a kind of palm tree, because women in white would lure them in, just like in Malayalam Selma, all is remaining of them is their bones and their teeth. <laughs> uh, and, and obviously, the, they're, you know, in Kerala culture, if you smell jasmine at night, it means there's a yakshi nearby. And I think this is, is common across a lot of South Asian and Southeast Asian cultures, because I... <laughs> it, one of the bathrooms at work was being scrubbed by the janitor uh, and she was using something jasmine scented one of my filipina co-workers walked out and she was like she looked very distressed she was like where is that smell coming from and i was like do you smell it too i was like it's the janitor i think and she was like oh my god she like held her hand to her chest and said Oh God, in my culture, I was like, in my culture too. <laughs> so the, the jasmine is, is a very intoxicating smell and it has a erotic scent to it, but it's, it's also the smell used to cover up death, you know, on dead bodies before, you know, preservation and all that, uh, before you could put them in a freezer. So the smell of jasmines is another thing associated with yakshis. So when I smell jasmines at night, I get creeped out, <laughs> even though I have a jasmine plant right outside my house. <laughs> Well, hopefully we won't creep too many people out and hopefully we'll encourage them to go and see some of these films. Yeah, there's a lot of fun lores to explore in this series. Thanks for listening to the Poland and Empathy podcast. If you like what you're hearing, remember to come back for our next episode and share our podcast with your friends. If you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at polandidapati at gmail.com or reach out to us on our Twitter feed at polandidapati. See you next time.